You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. Before we get to your calls, two quick news items. One from the United States, one from Canada. Uh, down here, Representative Mark Souter, Republican from Indiana, family values conservative, elected in 1994. You're way ahead of me, I bet. Sex scandal, raving anti-gay, uh, pro-family values, uh, homosexuality and gay marriage is a threat to the institution of the family, a threat to heterosexual marriage, blah 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 Also a big backer of abstinence education. Quoted as saying, uh, complaining once that it's very hard to get kids to abstain from sex. Resigned this week after he got caught fucking his much younger staffer. In her much younger staffer or a fi. Really, people, one day we're going to realize all these, you know, anti-sex, anti-gay marriage, pro-abstinence, family values, weirdos. All of them have something to hide. Drip, drip, drip. Just a matter of time until they're all outed as sexual hypocrites. Well, at least he wasn't sucking cock. He has that over George Wreckers, who denies having sucked cock. He was just getting the long stroke massage from Rent Boys. They're all hiding something. We really should reach a point where somebody is a family values conservative and the first question out of the media's – out of a reporter's mouth is, what are you trying to hide? What are you trying to hide? What's up? Where are the rent boys? Where are the, you know, fucked staffers? What are you trying to hide? And a slightly happier, sadder story out of Canada. Students at Kalamnitza Secondary, which is a high school in Williams Lake in uh, British Columbia, are going to cross-dress at school this Friday because the administrators of the school canceled an assembly scheduled for Tuesday uh, that was an anti-homophobia assembly where they were going to talk about issues of homophobia and guess what homophobic parents complained and the school to demonstrate that homophobia is real canceled the anti-homophobia assembly students are going to classes on friday cross-dressed to protest the homophobia of parents pandered to by cowardly school administrators who at first scheduled the anti-homophobia rally and then canceled the anti-homophobia assembly so I just want to send a little shout out to the right-thinking, tolerant, open-minded kids at Columnitsa Secondary in Williams Lake who are sticking up for their queer classmates and for uh, values that should be valued in British Columbia, like the value of tolerance. Hope you all look smart on Friday. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is sponsored by the ultimate fetish store, ExtremeRestraints.com. To get 10% off ExtremeRestraint.com's selection of fine sex toys, bondage gear, fucking machines, electrosex, and so much more, just enter the coupon code SAVAGE at checkout. That's SAVAGE to get 10% off your entire order at ExtremeRestraints.com. Hi, Dan. A bit more than a week ago, I headed off with a guy I met online. Um, I really like almost everything about this guy, but almost being the key word, because recently he told me that he has bruises on his penis from masturbating. He said he cannot get off without masturbating to the point of bruising, and this is incredibly repulsive to me. When I talk to him on the phone, I can't get the fact that he has a bruised up penis out of my head, and I don't think I can look at it without gagging or at least grimacing. Am I being too squeamish? 
or is he the one with the problem? It's hard to say whether you're being too squeamish until we know just how badly mangled and bruised this guy's dick is. I would encourage you to take a look. Maybe he just has some slight discoloration that he's highly sensitive about and perceives to be much worse than it actually is. And you won't know that it's not that big a deal until you take a look in the light. That said, the greater concern than just like he's going to have an ugly purple and blue and yellow and green cock is that if he's masturbating with such force and such a tight grip that his penis looks like it got into a bar fight, the odds that he's going to be able to achieve orgasm through the much subtler sensations provided by your mouth or your twat or your ass are going to be very long. He needs to, you know, irrespective of how you feel about his beat-up dick, he probably needs to amend or end his current masturbatory routine to make things a little lighter and a little uh, less intense. Uh, and to remember at all times that choking the chicken is uh, hyperbolic. It's not instructive. All right? So take a look. Maybe it's not that bad. If it is that bad, you should encourage him to... Not beat it so hard because it's not going to work the way Dick needs to work. Hi, Dan. Um, I am a straight guy and uh, dating this girl who I'm really enjoying being with. Um, I'm a little bit older than her. I'm 29 and she's 23. Uh, and I have a, a little bit more experience, I think, with um, you know people that I've been with. But but that's fine. Um, I'm also really orally fixated and um, need your help on something I think that She's been given some kind of bad information about um, vaginal uh, health, and uh, it kind of comes out in the general smell and taste, and I think it kind of goes beyond the whole, we all have a personal smell and taste. Um, and so what I'm wondering, I, you know, my evidence of that is that there, she, was, uh, she came out of the shower one time, and I thought, oh, man, I am going to really throw down now, and, um, you know, this is my chance. And, um, you know, I don't even think that she let water get uh, in there, much less uh, soap. And, it, you know, it made me think of one time I, you know, was taking a shower with a, a girl, and I went to kind of, you know, do a little, how's your father down there? And um, she said, oh, no, don't don't get soap in it. And um, so I, I just think that sometimes people hear that or girls, you know, hear stuff like that, that, uh, you know, they, they can't wash their uh, pussy. And um, so it's a little unfortunate. And so I am I'm planning to try to have this conversation with her um, the next time I see her. And um, I know it's going to be weird and I, I want to keep it light. And I thought that you would be a great guy to kind of um, help me out with some entertaining ways to kind of take her through this. But I realized that I don't know the, you know, hardcore medical facts on this. Um, and I know you love talking about vaginas and thinking about uh, how they work and everything. So I just wondered if you could, you know, I'm 95% sure that you can indeed wash your vagina if you have one. And, uh, you know, what's going to kind of help her get a sort of fresher, feeling and smell and taste and a lot more oral sex uh, from me. 
I realize that, you know, as the host of one of the most insanely popular sex podcasts on the planet, that I have access to all sorts of information and experts that you at home alone do not. But I just kind of Googled wash your vagina where I learned right away. Like all the sites say, don't be digging, you know, don't be shoving bars of soap up your twat because it'll apparently affect the pH balance. And you don't want your pH falling off the balance beam or whatever's going on in there. Uh, and that can lead to problems. But you just like wash with warm water and not wear panties when you sleep. And if she really stinks, what's probably going on is she either has a yeast infection or bacterial vaginosis, I believe is how it's pronounced. In either case, you should gently and lovingly encourage her to go see her doctor I know that this issue is fraught because women are told, even by, you know, asshole sex advice columnists who happen to be fags, that their vaginas are icky and gross. And so they can be very sensitive when somebody who stuck his nose in her vagina says, hey, icky, gross. But that's really one of your responsibilities as a sex partner is you can put your nose and your eyes places that the person you're sleeping with can't. If you notice something What's that phrase everyone's using now? If you see something, say something. If you smell something, say something. If you notice something's awry, it is really your responsibility, you know, damn the consequences as this person's loving sex partner to gently and lovingly inform them that lead with your vagina is beautiful and I want to keep my nose down there a lot. But at the moment, you seem to have an issue, a problem, a pH balance out of whack, perhaps a yeast infection, perhaps bacterial vaginosis, which doesn't make you a bad person, happens to the best of the vaginas out there. But you should probably go to your doctor and have that checked out. Just doing my part, stuck my nose in there, thought you should know. You can't stick your nose in there to find out. I'm sure if you could, you would, but you can't. So, so I did and thought you should know. She may react badly. Tough shit. Tough shit. She, she reacts badly. Some people react badly when the person they're sleeping with does the loving and responsible thing and says, hey, you have an anal wart. I noticed because I had my nose in your crack. Maybe you didn't notice because you haven't been able to put your own nose in. The right? Hey, there's something going on down here. You have a bruised penis. Maybe you should stop beating the fuck out of it. You, All of us who stick our faces in other people's crotches have a right to speak up when what we discover is a little out of whack. Visually, scent-wise, whatevs. So long as we're not judging them for having, you know, non-conforming genitalia, something they can't do anything about, something that's really done nothing wrong. Big penis, small penis, big labia, small labia. There's nothing wrong there. But if there's a scent, if there's a sore, if there's bruises, if there's mystery markings, you should speak up. But there's no way to do it. Uh without risking offense. And you should be willing to risk offense. Somebody who allows you to stick your nose in their junk and it smells has offended you, right? So don't be overly sensitive about perhaps risking offending them back. You know, somebody whose personal hygiene is off and yet who allows – and this is gender neutral. I'm not talking about women here, not men here. just talking about everybody. Somebody whose personal hygiene, even all unbeknownst to them, is out of whack, who lets another person you know, stuff all their, their sense of smell and taste down there when everything's out of whack. They have done something that is thoughtless and inconsiderate, perhaps unintentionally, but still a little thoughtless and inconsiderate.
What you have to do is in a thoughtful, considerate way, bring their thoughtless and consideration to their attention so that they can address it. Just be straight with her, be direct, be honest, be unapologetic, don't be judgmental, don't be sexist, la la la. Good luck. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 29-year-old lesbian in a long-term relationship. We've been together for um, about a year, and with very few exceptions, things have been going incredibly good. Um, We're looking to start living together. I own and she rents, and I live in a condo which won't really accommodate the two of us plus her son, so I'm trying to sell my house. Uh, I, I asked her to come over and help depersonalize my home in preparation for <clears throat> some real estate showings. And during this process, she found a shoebox of photos under my bed which contained pictures of um, my most recent ex. Now, that ex and I were together for about two years, and... Um, we broke up almost three years ago, and we've remained friends at a distance as we live about a thousand miles away from each other. I should also clarify and say that there are very few pictures in the box of my ex, and, and you know, it's not a shrine or anything. There's a lot of pictures there from um, my high school and college days, um, as well as even childhood photos. So anyway... Uh, my ex got really upset and jealous and demanded that I get rid of these pictures because um, my ex and I aren't together anymore and that, uh, you know, we're working on kind of combining our lives together. And I disagree because I feel like these are memories of my past. Um, and it's not that I, I wish to be back with my ex, but in a way it's kind of a reminder of where I've come from, how much I've changed both physically and emotionally um, as an adult. So in addition to that, I feel she's asking me to get rid of them based on her jealousies and insecurities. And this is the first time we've had discussions of this nature. Um, she feels threatened that I still communicate with ex-girlfriends in a platonic manner because she's afraid that I will want to get back together with them. Um, she also gets really insecure when I leave for business because she thinks I'll meet somebody and meet her for them. Um, she won't let the issue die because she feels like she thinks the pictures are more important to me than she is, and she gets very emotional about it, and the arguments that we've been having are really damaging our relationship a lot. I'm not necessarily giving her any reason to think that I'm being unfaithful or that I want to be unfaithful to me, and like I tell her, she, she's my dream girl, and I don't want anybody else but her, um, but it's just becoming harder and harder to convince her of that and to um, kind of gain that, that trust from her. So my question is, Am I wrong for not entertaining her request to get rid of these few pictures? Um, and do you have any advice on how to deal with this situation? Because she won't let the issue die. And like I said, it's getting extremely damaging to our relationship. Uh, it's Dan Savage. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm listening to some of your old podcasts right now. How weird. <laughs> You're listening to some of my old podcasts. I wish you had listened to ones about jealousy and insecurities and these very issues. We've, we've touched on these very issues in the past. Yeah, and I actually ran into one, and I, I played it for my partner. Um, okay, and a lot of we're going to stop calling her your partner if you've only been going out for a year. Oh, okay, And sorry. you can stop calling her your partner because you're going to break up with her today. Oh, really? I think you should. Uh, how many fucking red flags do you need? 
the, all the, this this bullshit that she's pulling on you is emotionally abusive. She's playing this like dramatic victim as a to victimize you. This is what what she is doing. The, this sort of jealous insecurity of hers is a power play, where she is going to back you into a corner where you're not allowed to leave the house. Basically, this is about control. You're not allowed to have ex-girlfriends or pictures of ex-girlfriends. You're not allowed to go on business trips. You're not allowed to meet people. Do you not see where this is ultimately going if you cave to any of it? Well, I I agree. It, it has been a, a red flag for me as well. But as I got to know her, I think there's some... Um, uh, Mitigating circumstances? Yeah, there's some kind of ethnic differences, and I think that um, also she has had some pretty tumultuous relationships in yeah, the yeah. past. Yeah, she has had tumultuous relationships in the past because she was in those relationships. She is the tumult. She was the problem in her past relationships, and she is the problem in her current relationship. I think to some extent, you know... I, I think to some extent you're you're absolutely correct, and um, I I feel though that in some cases she was also kind of a victim in in her relationships as far as um, you know being abused and, and being manipulated in in her other relationships, and and she finds a lot of value in our relationship, and I think that at least I feel it might be her. Um, holding on too tight and really wanting to control what happens because she's, like, definitely afraid of losing our relationship. But you need to say, you know what's going to lose this relationship? You're so deathly afraid of losing this relationship. Your fucking dumb, controlling, jealous behavior is going to lose, cost you this relationship. You have to draw... Okay, if you want to stay with her, you stay with her. You'll be calling me in a year to tell me you broke up with her, however. <laughs> you can... Stay with her as long as you draw a big line in the sand and you say, I'm keeping my girl, ex-girlfriend's pictures. It's part of my history. It's part of my life. I'm not shoving it down a fucking memory hole. I have a right to my past. Who I am now was shaped by who I was then, and you seem to like who I am now, so you shouldn't be such a fucking weepy bag of slop about the fact that I had girlfriends in the past. I'm going on business trips. You'll have to trust me. And I'm going to leave this house, and I'm sometimes going to meet other lesbians. Exactly. And you're going to have to trust me. And if you can't trust me, I can't be in a relationship with you. Because I'm not going to not leave the house, I'm not going to not go on business trips, and I'm not going to throw these pictures away. Grow the fuck up, get a therapist to process whatever it is you suffered in your past relationships, and stop taking it out on me. You say that to her, or play the podcast for her, and see what she says. I, I will definitely be playing the podcast, and I, you know, I think that, I mean, in a lot of ways, I've said all these things already, and I think that she holds a lot of um, weight in your opinion as well. We listen to it together, um, and, and I, I mean, I don't think I could have said any better than you have, so I'll definitely, you know. But you need to bring stop wringing your hands and seeing things from her point of view and, you know, listening to her tales of woe from her past relationships and then wanting to make allowances and wanting to, you know, change the way you behave out of consideration for all she's suffered. Because that just encourages her to inflate past wrongs, to invent past wrongs, to bullshit you into a corner by claiming things that may or may not be true or exaggerating things that may or may not be true 
and being like the oh so insecure little victim of everything that's ever happened to her. She has to arrive at this new relationship in a healthy place, ready to trust, ready to love. You can't be in this like crouch for the rest of your life because she had a shitty ex girlfriend. No, everybody's had a shitty ex. It doesn't give you a right to treat your current like shit. I completely agree. And don't worry, Dan. I'm not. I'm, I'm really, not really, actually, I'm really worried. I am really worried. You are selling your house to move in with this girl that you've known for a year, who is throwing. This is abusive behavior on her part. This is the sort of. You know, at the outset, if somebody had recognized this and called it what it was. You could save yourself a lot of grief. This is the sort of shit that somebody who ends up punching pe- their partners in the face starts out with. Do you know anybody who's ever been in an abusive relationship? Do you oh, know definitely. anything about abusive relationships? Yeah, I, I, I do. And this I, is often I, how they start with this I do kind feel, of. I do feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being taken advantage of and. Um, abuse and you know my my tolerance for it is is weighing extremely thin which is kind of what propagated the call you take your house off the market you say i love you we're not ready to move in with each other yet i still want to be your girlfriend i still want to go out we're not ready to move in with each other yet you need to solve these emotional problems of yours they're not mine i've done nothing wrong you need to fix this shit, and then we can see down the road about moving in. And maybe she can fix it. Some people can't. Some people need that first person to stand up to them and say no to their bullshit before they realize their bullshit is bullshit. Yeah. And if you can stand up to her, and she can get help and change, then a year or two from now, sell your fucking house and move in with her. Okay. Okay? Sounds good. But don't don't, you know, right now you're in a, not a very vulnerable position. You know, right now you haven't bought the farm with her, right? No. This is the kind of bullshit she's pulling when you could still walk away. What is she going to pull when your lives are, are welded together? When you own a house together? When you've been living together? When you're under the same roof? That right. is when this kind of jealous, insecure, abusive behavior escalates. And if she's escalating it now, right before you move in with her, right before you join hands and jump off the relationship cliff, that's a really bad sign. Pull way the fuck back, take your house off the market, tell her we're still going to go out, you're going to get a therapist, you're going to fix this shit, and then we will revisit the, the decision about moving in with each other. Okay. All right? Definitely, yeah. Okay. Good luck. Appreciate that. Thank you, Dan. Bye. The tech savvy at risk youth really should have a microphone in front of them sometimes, I think. They pointed out as soon as I got off the phone with the previous caller that she's in this relationship with somebody who's manipulating and bullying her and she sounds a little weak. And what was I doing? I was bullying her and yelling at her. So I apologize. I, what I want to do is empower you, previous caller, to make your own decision and to wait. If this is true love, if this is the person you're going to be with for the rest of your life, that will be true a year from now. That will be true two years from now and three years from now. You can preserve your independence and your security, your house, your own life, not mixed up together with hers, and continue to see her. And if in two or three years 
her insecurities have leveled out and she's demonstrated in good faith that she wants to win you by learning how to trust, learning how to love, by learning to be secure in your affections and not wanting to control your life in an abusive fashion, then yes, with my blessing, I'll fucking perform your commitment fucking ceremony. You can move in together, but not right now, not under these circumstances. But uh, again, it's your own call. I don't want to bully you too. It's your own call. This episode is sponsored by the Ultimate Fetish Store, ExtremeRestraints.com. To get 10% off ExtremeRestraints.com's huge selection of fine sex toys, bondage gear, fucking machines, electro sex products, and so much more, just enter the coupon code SAVAGE at checkout. That's SAVAGE to get 10% off your entire order at ExtremeRestraints.com. Act fast to take advantage of their incredible clearance section. ExtremeRestraints.com has some of the best toys selling for up to 80% off while supplies last. Don't miss out on some of this recession's hottest deals. Hi, Dan, a 29-year-old straight male listener. I have a question where I have a kind of attraction and a thing for dominatrixes, but not in the sense that I want to employ one. Just their lifestyle and their traits, you know, they turn me on. And I've gone and seen, you know, tried seeing one, and I would be really turned on, but as soon as anything does where I become the sub, I'm no longer turned on. And like subbing just doesn't do it for me at all. So I want to know if there's a way to just want to date these women, you know, just be with them and be their equal partner and have a normal relationship while they go on the side and do their job. I think it's a kind of like a woman who likes an athlete. doesn't mean she wants to play baseball with them. She just likes the traits that go along with an athlete. So if this is, you know, if this is okay and they can don't mind being approached by this, I don't know how to do it. Would I have to find a club or a show? Any of these places where I know a domination would be just seems like you're trying to hit on someone who's at work, and that's not going to go really well. So I want to know a way I can go about this in a welcome manner. When you're talking about dating a professional dominatrix, you're not really talking about trying to find your way into the BDSM community. There is some overlap, significant amount of overlap. There's a lot of people who are pro-doms who are also involved in the BDSM community, but a lot of people who do domination – uh, and enjoy it and are good at it, who don't necessarily identify with the BDSM community. And a lot of them aren't into uh, S&M sex uh, in their private lives. So having a boyfriend who sort of admired and approved of and, and was kind of titillated around the edges about what she did for a living but who didn't expect you know, to be tied to a fuck bench and pegged when she got home, like when she got home, she could take all the gear off and have vanilla sex with the man she loved. That would be very appealing to a lot of professional doms. How do you find them? There's not really cocktail bars where all the professional doms go to have a drink after work. And I really don't know how you find your way uh, into the professional dom circuit so you can date professional doms to meet the one that you love and want to have vanilla sex with. I would encourage you just to take out ads, personal ads. Take out ads on you know kink websites and regular websites and mention that as something. You know, you've always thought it would be fun to date a professional dom. Not interested in BDSM my sex myself but kind of dig what doms do and would love to be a pro-doms vanilla boyfriend. There's a model for what you want and you can cite it. In Daniel Bergner's book, The Other Side of Desire, he profiles a big league New York City dom, not necessarily a pro, but a very a pillar of the S&M community in New York City who beats the shit out of guys and loves it and has slaves and also has a husband and their relationship 
doesn't involve BDSM sex at all. And he loves and supports his wife, thinks what she does is crazy and fun, but it does it isn't what their relationship is about. So it's not unheard of, the sort of relationship model that you suggest. Just put yourself out there, which is the advice that applies to everyone who's looking for anything. You've got to put yourself out there. Hi, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old female, and I've been married to my husband for almost four years. Um, we've been living together for almost six. Our relationship is pretty much in the worst shape it's ever been in. Our sex was really adventurous in the first couple of years, um, even though it's mostly at his urging. We experimented with swinging and threesomes with other men. I wasn't really in a place where I was comfortable with these things, but he was kind of convinced that I just needed someone to push me in the right direction, and he would... Uh, call me milk toast in an hour in kind of a reverse psychology way to try and get some reaction from me. Um, several times he's even gone so far as to communicate with men behind my back, um, telling them to kind of come on to me really forcefully the next time that they were alone with us or, you know, things like that. Uh, the times he's done this have been with men that I've expressed I was uncomfortable with or not attracted to. Um, he's also on one occasion had sex with my best friend when she had tapped along with us to a swingers club, even though I had told him before that I wasn't really comfortable with him being intimate with her. Um, over over time, that side of, his, his side of him has kind of improved. It's not completely diminished if I end up alone at the end of the night with my husband or any other male. And I've been drinking. Um, he'll try and he'll kind of make sexual remarks and sometimes even straight out tell the other guy to touch me or try and t- try and instruct me to touch the other man. It's, it's really embarrassing. It's really kind of humiliating. Uh, also, over the past few years, our sex life has started to diminish. It started to really decrease. We don't go to swingers club anymore because of all these issues or try and find other people to screw around with. Other than the times I've mentioned above, uh, and you know, when we've been drinking and he tries to manipulate a situation at home, our, our sex life is almost non-existent due to my growing lack of you know, disinterest in him sexually. I can't. I can't figure out if I'm genuinely not attracted to him anymore, if I'm just not over the extremely manipulative ways he's treated me and and maybe this has caused me to shut down or something. Um, I know I'm not close off or frigid. I'm, I'm really comfortable with myself sexually now as I'm a little older and I, I want to have great, fun, kinky sex that's not restrictive or vanilla or awkward. I want to make my marriage work. Um, even though he can be kind of a douchebag sexually, he's not really fucked up in other ways. He's amazing in terms of other ways. I don't want to break up my family or kids, um, but I want to be sexually fulfilled. I don't know if he can give me any advice. Any advice? Can I, can I save this marriage? Is it worth saving? It's not a word I toss around lightly, frequently. I've slapped people around for abusing it uh, and using it in, in situations where I didn't think it was appropriate or called for because you don't want to diminish the severity of it or the reality of it by just slapping the label on anything. But you do need to realize that what your husband has done is essentially orchestrated your rape over and over and over again. Uh, A campaign of sexual assault over the last however many years. Can you save this marriage? Do you want to save this marriage? You say that you do. You don't want to break up your family. Of course, there's kids. There's always kids. When I want to jump in and tell people to leave, there's always kids. 
he has to apologize. He has to open his eyes and realize that he has committed a series of acts of sexual violence targeting his wife that has really destroyed her attraction to him for completely valid reasons and potentially has destroyed his marriage. He's acted in appalling, criminal, selfish, sadistic way towards you. You won't be able to restore your affections for your husband until he can re- – until he realizes, until he knows deep down in his bones that what he's been doing is wrong and that he sees it for the wrong that it was. I would encourage you to stop going to swingers parties, to stop doing anything sexual with your husband at all. And I would encourage you to insist that the both of you get your asses to a marriage counselor, to a disinterested, hopefully sex positive third party who can adjudicate this dispute and who can rub your husband's fucking nose in the shit that he's made out of your marriage and help him to see the crimes that he's committed and help him to atone for them in a way that maybe repairs this marriage that I'm not sure can or should be repaired. I would like for you to have great fun, kinky sex again sometime. I think odds are better that if that's what you want in your life again, you're going to have to find that with somebody else, somebody you can trust. And I don't think your husband is trustworthy sexually. I don't think you can restore that trust. I don't think you can restore your sexual relationship with him because even though you don't seem to realize it, what's been done to you, this terror campaign that he's directed at you over the years is so emotionally and sexually and spiritually damaging that the odds that you can repair this thing particularly if your husband doesn't recognize that what he's done is awful or really, really slim. I wish you the best of luck. You're going to have to stand up for yourself and you're going to have to insist that he join you at a counselor and you're going to have to go to a counselor alone if he won't join you. And eventually you're going to have to get a referral to a good lawyer. Dan, I'm a straight divorced male. Uh, My ex-wife wanted another child. We agreed to have another child. Um, We're not involved. Uh, She is now pregnant, and um, there's some interest in rekindling sexually, but I know that that would possibly bring up some old emotional problems and uh, complications. I do not want to get back with her, but um, there is some interest in the short term. I know that's probably the wrong answer. Uh, What are your thoughts? It really depends on what the wife wants or the ex-wife wants and what she's trying to leverage into her life by offering you sex. If all she's interested in is physical intimacy and she's not trying to lure you back into a relationship with the sex, then yeah, you two can be exes but current friends with benefits who are enjoying each other physically without any expectation of any relationship or permanence. But if you sense 
that the mother of your two children is offering herself to you sexually in the hopes that you'll come to your senses and realize that you should be together, then absolutely not you shouldn't be having sex with her. Because then you're exploiting her vulnerability, really, to get your rocks off. You're taking advantage of her emotional neediness to blow loads in her. And that would be wrong because you would be encouraging her faulty expectations that you would be encouraging her false hopes for the future uh, by being sexually intimate with her. And that would therefore be very, 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 very cruel and wrong of you. So I would encourage you not to do it if that's the case. All she wants is friends with benefits. If she has sexual needs that aren't being met and she just that's all she wants, then you can go for it. But be careful. She might tell you. You might have a heart to heart. She might tell you that's all she wants. And it might not be true. So you have to trust your gut. If you feel that even if she says all the, you know, quote unquote, right things about just wants a friends with benefits situation, but in your gut, you sense that she wants much, much more. And this is a gambit on her part to lure you back in. Then you really uh, will be doing yourself and her, but yourself too, a favor by refraining from fucking her. Hi, Dan. My name is Julia, and I'm from Arizona. Long-time listener, huge fan, um, first-time caller. And I'm calling because I just had to respond to something that you were saying in Savage Love Podcast number 185. You were talking about what happened in Mississippi to the teenagers um, that were experiencing discrimination because they were lesbians. Um, And I was with you all the way through what you were saying up until the very end. Um, You were talking about what happened to Sierra, I believe her name was, and she was scratched from her school's yearbook um, as a result of trying to wear a tuxedo. Um, I, just like many of your callers, was completely appalled that this was happening to these kids. Um, I rallied. I got behind you. I wrote this douchebag principal an email. um, And basically, the only issue I took with what you said to these kids was, at the very end, you kind of got up on your soapbox and you said, think about where you're being cast out of. Um, and that basically, you said Mississippi's a shithole and they should be happy to be out of there anyway when they're grown adults and they, uh, and they get their own lives. And I kind of got to disagree with that because although there are huge gay and lesbian meccas in, in the country where they can go and be themselves and, and be free in these big towns, um, I really think that one of the best things that gay and lesbians can do for their community and in, in order to kind of get rid of this, uh, this problem that we have in small town America uh, with their biases against gay and lesbians is expose them to them. Let them see who it is that they're discriminating against. Let them see who it is um, and, and put a face to a lesbian, to a gay, because too many small towns, they're closeted, they're discriminated against, and unfortunately, it's going to take some people fighting a good fight um, and making their community better, um, and not just disregarding it and saying, well, forget Mississippi, I'm going to move to Seattle when I'm a grown-up anyway, and all about these kids being happy and finding happiness um, wherever they want to as adults. Um, but one thing that they can do while they are, where they are, in the situation they're in, is uh, try to enrich it and try to teach their community and the community of adults um, what the gay and lesbian population have to bring and what they as individuals have to bring to the community. I'm going to go out on a limb here and just state for the record that you are not a lesbian or a gay boy. 
it's easy for you to say that gay boys and lesbians should stay in small town America and shithole red states and fight the good fight and help change those places because you don't really know what that means or entails. If you're living in a town of 500 people in a rural area and you're gay and you're 16, you are very likely the only gay person for miles and miles and miles around. It would be lovely if that gay boy could stay and change the world, but that gay boy will be lonely, dateless, sexless, never have a relationship. You're really asking that boy to condemn himself to a lifetime of celibacy and you know unasked for and non-consensual abstinence, all to make a better world for him theoretically to to you know help all these fucking bigots in this small town get the fuck over it he's supposed to put a bullet in the back of the head of his sex life his relationship uh, potential uh, his the odds that he'll ever have you know a long-term relationship of his own maybe a family of his own he's supposed to cast that all aside and conduct a sort of outward bound program in his small town for all the bigots nice idea in theory, easy uh, to say when you're straight, not so easy to live when you're gay. The reason gay people migrate to the meccas, and the meccas can be down there. You know, Atlanta is a big gay mecca. It's not all coasts and it's not all uh, northern cities. Miami. The reason we migrate is not just because, you know, there are bigots out there in the woods, but because if we grew up out there in the woods, we might be the only gay person out there in the woods. And we don't want to be alone and miserable and sexless all our lives. We want the same opportunities that straight people have, that straight people have everywhere. Because most people are straight. You're only talking like 3 4% of the population are gay or lesbian identified and out. You have to go where the boys are if you're a gay boy. You can't stay in some shithole small town. You can't stay in Fulton, Mississippi if you're an out lesbian and you want to have anything approaching a life with some choices and some options romantically and socially. So they're going to migrate. How can they, you know, but, you know, it's important that one day that these, you know, bigoted little shitholes get over it. How does that happen? It happens because increasingly our family members are supportive. All I think the gay boy or gay girl from, you know, rural conservative shithole small townville needs to do to help change the world on their way out of town is come out to mom and dad, come out to aunts and uncles, come out to siblings, and then come home for visits as the gay adult, uh, the well-integrated, stable, happy gay adult that this person will grow to be in a gay mecca, come home for visits and be fabulous and glamorous and bring the boyfriend or bring the girlfriend and parade your gay self around a little bit to show, to give the lie to the shit emanating from the pulpits at the mega churches in these bullshit little towns. But, and then let the family do the work. Let mom and dad do the work. Let the aunts and uncles do the work who stay and who love their gay kids. Increasingly, that's the most heartening aspect of all these stories that have come out of the small towns and rural little shitholes recently. Uh, Constance McMillan out in Fulton, Mississippi, uh, and has the love and support of her family. That didn't used to be the case. And uh, the girl uh, whose case you cite, the lesbian uh, in another small town in Mississippi whose pictures were removed from the yearbook and any mention of her was removed from the yearbook because bigots run her high school. 
her family loves and supports her. Her mother is the one who's giving the most outraged, angry interviews because she's furious at what's been done to her lesbian child. That's a sea change. Her mother's going to stay behind in that little shithole town when her daughter leaves for New York. And her mother is going to be active all her life and is going to help change that small town for the lesbians coming after her daughter who will grow up in this small town, hopefully a more tolerant small town, thanks to this kid and her mom and the fuss they kicked up. But still, when that lesbian is 16 or 17 years old or that gay boy who grows up in that same town at 16 or 17 is going to go have an easier time perhaps coming out, find more support, find more supportive adults and a more supportive sort of welcoming heterosexual community and still have to leave so that that kid can have a full and fully integrated and fully realized adult social life. So you're a little ignorant about the gay experience. Uh, and I don't mean to beat you up. Obviously, your heart's in the right place, but you kind of don't know what you're talking about. Gays and lesbians are only 4% of the population. We can't stay in towns of 500, 1,000, even 10,000, 20,000 people. There just aren't enough of us there for us to have some options socially and sexually. Hey, Dan. Just finished listening to this week's podcast, and I think you left out something really important uh, for the fellow who wanted to ask his escort out. Um, and that is, I think he needs to ask himself one question is that, uh, is he comfortable with her continuing to work if they start dating? Cause I don't think it's really fair to her, uh, cause she may want a relationship with the guy. And, uh, if he starts going out with her and says, well, of course now you can't work anymore. So he's got to ask himself that before he, uh, starts, uh, you know, getting her on the line. Cause she might be, she might be interested. Hi, I'm calling in response to um, podcast 186, um, where the woman who called in with her uh, new boyfriend about trying to navigate a relationship where one partner is uh, poly, polyamorous, and the other is monogamous, um, it can be done. My husband and I have been together for 12, 13 years. Um, he's more poly-inclined and more monogamously inclined. Um, it doesn't have to be all or nothing is the thing all the time. It can, you can oscillate between periods where you're more open and periods where you're more closed. Um, we've had periods where um, he's had other significant others and periods where um, we've been strictly monogamous for long extended periods of time. Um, it's constantly a process of negotiation. And, you know, after a while you find yourself with the kind of commitment toward a person that allows that kind of negotiation um, on things that both of you thought you were really unable to compromise on, I guess. So, you know, as time passes, you might find yourself really in the place where you can trust someone else that much with something that's that important. Hi, I just got done listening to episode 186 with a guy who was thinking about cutting his nuts off. I um, just wanted to say that I resonated with that a little bit, but... I'm currently 26, but this was back when I was 19. I would have felt that way a little bit. Why? Because I was unfashionable, not smooth talking with the ladies, and basically felt, wow, I'm never going to fuck the people that I want to fuck. Um, and it's basically because I was kind of just a weirdo, loser kind of guy. I'm still a weirdo, not a loser. Back then, I got into shape. I worked out. Um, started dressing a little more trendy and was soon fucking all the people that I wanted to fuck. Uh, just made some attitude adjustments because I decided that it was 
more to my benefit to change myself in order to get the things I wanted rather than to hold on to some stupid ideas about, oh, I, I love my headspace and I love who, who I am and everything. And, but yeah, maybe, maybe you do love who you are, but at the same time, if you're not getting what you want out of it, isn't it worth changing? Isn't it worth changing what you do? I mean, some of the big things I did, like I said, I worked out and I started meditating and it put me in touch with a lot of the shit that was fucked up in my head. Um, so anyway, now I'm currently fucking exactly who I want to be fucking and life is great and I'm a much better, smarter person for it with my balls completely intact. Thank you all very much for your calls and your responses. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a call or comment or a question for a future show, please give us a buzz, 206-201-2720. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day, including the savage love letter of the day at slog.thestranger.com. Coming soon, the Savage Love iPhone app. We've submitted it to Apple. Hopefully it's not too dirty for them. And uh, hopefully it'll be out soon and all y'all can uh, carry me around in your pockets and your purses, which is really where I belong. 206-201-2720. Oh, and of course you read the print version of Savage Love, my sex advice column every week in papers all over America and Canada, including the coast and Halifax. All right, then we're done. I'm off to wash my vagina just with warm water, no soap. And me and the tech savvy at risk youth, we back at you next week with clean vaginas and another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>